I'm Dr. Stan Steindl. Welcome back for part two of Compassion in a T-Shirt in session with Deidre Fay. Deidre is the author of Becoming Safely Embodied, a guide to organize your mind, body and heart to feel secure in the world. In part two of my conversation with Deidre, she'll be describing in a bit more detail the nine skills of becoming safely embodied. Belonging, meditation, internal information flow, separating facts from feelings, addressing parallel lives, working with parts, carving out a new path, telling and retelling, finding guidance from your older, wiser self. I do hope you enjoy being in session for part two with my friend Deidre Fay. Having read your, your wonderful book um, and the, I think it's the nine skills uh, of becoming safely embodied, it be begins with belonging and trying to cultivate a sense of belonging or or reflect back on uh, experiences of belonging. Can you tell us a bit more about that that piece that that came as the first skill in the book? I suppose I'm not sure whether that's where one might begin normally, or but tell us a bit about that one. Well, if I think about it, and this is you know, Paul Gilbert also helped me sort this out as well. You know, in CFT we talk about safety and safeness, and in reading in the and deliberating on the attachment work is that foundational bit of belonging of being part of a tribe is what creates safety like so can i feel safe physically that's essential but can i also feel safe psychologically and emotionally and for many people that's not the case so how do i do that and most of the ways we do that is through community and connection and tribalism and with David White, the great poet, helped me with this as well. When I was assisting him on a workshop many years ago, and he was asking me about the work that I was doing, and he had talked in the workshop about belongingness, and I said, well, you know, a lot of the people I work with don't belong anywhere, and he said, well, they do. They might belong to the hospital or to their sense of something's wrong with me, or I've done something wrong or I'm um, and so it's the we belong to the negative we belong to what's wrong and not to everything else so I started with the skills the first couple sessions of a group when I would lead it is show us where you belong bring us items so people would bring things like this one I'll never forget one woman brought some rosemary and she had us all smell the rosemary. And then she told us a story of how her uh, grandmother in Italy would have these rosemary bushes and the smell reminded her of that safety and connection. So when people start feeling safe and they reconnect to what's safe, now they can be a, the, the internal boundary soften and you can have more access to yourself. So then I've also been reflecting on the work of um, the threat system and how do we make the threat system so small that we don't activate threat. If we make change so small 
then it's not going to activate the threat system. Mm -hmm. And so how do we do that? And I started working with this idea of making something so granular so that the fears, blocks, and resistance aren't activated so that I can let something rise, crest, and fall and have a success. So if I need to belong to somebody, so I'm thinking of a client that I had who was highly, highly dissociated and her terror was of men and that all men were bad and were rapists and perpetrators. And so far we, we worked with that and we started looking, well, what's a granular way? Are all men bad? She liked Obama. So we would say, when you look at Obama, is he a perpetrator? Do you think he abuses his daughters? And it was that, so that's a cognitive way of interacting, but it's so, become so small that then she was able to start looking around at the men in her life or people she interacted with and seeing, making those small granular distinctions. And what's that feel like in your body? So when you look at Obama and you feel like, oh, he's a good man. What does good man feel like in here? So that's taking belongingness and making it more granular. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's scaffolding it in small, small ways. So belonging is a little bit about safeness and, and, and a sense of safeness, um, recognizing that that can be hard to access for people. And so being able to break it down and just sort of rebuild it up a little bit, uh, bit by bit in that kind of granular way, that, that's even the, the, the one skill of belonging is kind of uh, scaffolded too. And, and, and yes, absolutely. And, and, and in fact, everything is. Yes. And, and that's the, the sort of becoming safely embodied is a lot about sort of just the graduating of things, the, this little step by step sort of moving in a direction, not doing it all at once, but trying to just create that scaffolding that, that possibly the the person might have missed out on in, in the, the, the flow of their life till till this point. Well, and if we think about it, it's in every task that we do. If I had to learn computer programming, I'd have to sit and learn the language and break it down into small bits. And mm. um, that, that so that's part of the process of scaffolding that. So how do I do that in terms of my psychological self, my emotional self? Um, if I'm doing that in terms of meditation and developing myself as a compassionate being, how do I break it down into small ways so that I can actually take the next step? And that's the second skill uh, <laughs> is meditation. Um, you did mention mindfulness and concentration and, and uh, yeah, that was a useful kind of delineation. You know, mindfulness might be, I, I am be being triggered and, and concentration might be, so what direction would I like to take from here? You, you mentioned something right. like that, but yeah, t tell us a bit more about the meditation skill in, in terms of becoming safely embodied. Well, it's, it's, really, it's really that. It's becoming aware of what I'm, the perceptual lens out of which I'm looking through my life now. So Bowlby, the great attachment theorist, talked about the internal working model and the internal working model on a embodied level is basically it's like a contact lens that I look through my life with and experience life mm. so if I grew up we talk about in compassion focused therapy if I grew up in a certain environment that is going to shape everything that I do it's going to shape my felt experience it's going to shape my attitudes how I 
interact with the world. But the beautiful thing about attachment theory and compassion focused therapy is that we can change that. We don't have to live in that perceptual lens, but first we have to become aware of that, that perceptual lens. Mm -hmm. So if I'm looking through life and I'm not noticing, I'm not identifying what's going on, I'm, I don't want to say I'm doomed to repeat it, but I'm doomed to repeat it. The pattern is so strong. And this is what the attachment theorists first began to say, the past will intrude in your present. This is what Buddhist teachings are all about. How do I live in this present moment instead of being intruded on? So I have to become first aware of it. I was just reading in one of the um, in Patanjali's Yoga Sutras is again saying that same thing. Ignorance is the, the greatest problem of all the kleshas, of all the difficulties we go through. Because if I'm not aware, I'm going to struggle. So mindfulness is really like, oh, here I am. This is part of the pattern. This depression, this upset. Um, the, somebody in that Facebook group that I uh, of our community said, this part of me just doesn't say anything. And, you know, the group and myself, we talked about that not saying anything is part of the pattern. That's something undigested, some emotional memory arising. It's, or one can, we can open that space. It's like, maybe that's what's happening. Maybe some part of you never, or lived in this world of never being heard never having words. So beginning to say like, wow, maybe that's what it was like. And then being able to say, if it was that, if it's this bad now, what was it like back then when I, I didn't have any capacity? So that level of mindfulness. Okay, so now you know, okay, here's this pattern. Now, when I don't know what to say, how can I use concentration practices to be like, what might I do here? Maybe I need to bring some compassion to this poor being, to me right now, when I'm lost or disconnected, how can I bring compassion in? And then we have all the practices. So how do we bring that in? Um, so those are the interweaving. It, back in the day, I mean, meditation retreats now have changed a lot, you know, with awareness around trauma and the complications. But back in the day when I was doing a lot of retreats, it was if you're doing a mindfulness retreat for 10 days or a month or three months, you just stay with mindfulness. You don't practice anything else. But we became more aware. No, stuff comes up. And then I'm going to have to skillfully try a different practice because I need to be able to be with whatever comes up. So when that stuff comes up, how can I bring compassion? How can I bring equanimity? How can I bring sense of solace to myself when we are unaware or or in in a kind of an autopilot or something we just default to old patterns and 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 probably that makes complete sense in in certain evolutionary terms i suppose in some ways you know it, it it's probably safer or deals with threat in a way if the, to, to just to default to those patterns that have perhaps worked before uh, but we start to repeat that and 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 so on and so um, being able to use mindfulness to become aware of all of that and perhaps step out of out of the autopilot and, and then it's about intention and th that notion I suppose of of Paul's that we were 
chatting a little bit about before we before we started this conversation but you know the the stepping into the 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 motivation around compassion the the, the motivation to uh you know sort of be helpful rather than harmful and 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 what to kind of do next mm-hmm. well you know this is where attachment theory really helped me is so bowlby and James Robertson, his colleagues, studied what happened to kids in separation distress. And they have these three phases of separation distress, protest, despair, and detachment. Mm. And so I started thinking about all our upsets as protest. And really, if you think about it, and what was stunning to me when I figured it out is, if I'm upset at something, what does my body say to me? My body is really saying, it shouldn't be like this. Something deep inside of me, native to me, knows this is not right. But how did I learn that? What, how, who in here, what in here is saying that's not right? I actually want something else. I was like, I don't know what that is, but I love that. If, if my body is saying you are mistreating me or, or stubbing my toe hurts, what? is my body saying my body saying my body should be at ease my toe shouldn't be hurt some mechanism is at play what is that and how do i orient to that instead of the protest so when i started naming all distress as protests my clients and my groups would be like all right okay now i can name it as protest now might i be able to look and see well what else might i want it, it's actually a, a, a clue to the to the intrinsic wisdom that that's there yes. you know, in the body. The, the body knows, kind of thing, right? Um, what's right. happening and what what is is sort of right or, or not right, and and um, physical pain is is one sort of version of that. But there's there's a, a, an emotional other other body based sort of process as well, which which understands, you know, that 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 this this isn't right it shouldn't be happening like this it isn't which circles for me back around to the ancient wisdom traditions the mystical traditions that say there's some deep wisdom inside us Mm. that took on this birth for us to grow develop and flourish Mm. call it soul call it spirit call it jesus krishna muhammad whoever it is that is right for you something is activated but how do I get back to that? How do I not just say this protest is wrong, but there's some deep wisdom that's arising that's wanting me to have something different. Now, chronic pain is something that people deal with a lot, certainly in my groups. And and it's like, okay, so you're in chronic pain, but who do you want to be given that you have chronic pain? Because life is going to keep throwing us a few curveballs so who do i want to be with that curveball and then there's the i think the next bit is the is the the third skill which is that um internal informational flow which really starts to you know kind of explore this 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 part you know the 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 thoughts the feelings the physical sensations and, and 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 there's all sorts of insights I, I, I'm guessing that that can come from really kind of understanding that that informational flow and taking apart something and putting it together in a more in a way that feels better so so 
one of the examples I use is excitement and anxiety. When you pull them apart, the cognitive structure of them are different, but the felt experience, many of them are the same tiny bits of sensation. So how do I, if I study myself, can I then say, oh, my heart's beating fast. Is that anxious or is that excitement? And then I, it gives me a choice point to say, oh, all right, this may not be that bad of experience. You know, on a gross level, people say, well, I want to be loved. Okay, well, let's take apart that construct of love, which you may have a lot of negative associations and storylines to, so that you can have love in a positive way. It's like my client who men are perpetrators or Obama's a good guy. Which, which direction do you want to be and how do you encode that and literally train your body to have a different experience than the one that you were originally imprinted with? I suddenly had a thought. I'm not sure what this means, but you know, I, I want to be loved. You know, loved, loved can be explored. And, and, you know, but, but so can I and want, and, you know, sort of exactly. in a way it's interesting want and need, or, or, you know, that there's sort of interesting things to, to unpack there. And, and I, what does that mean in terms of, you know, and, and, and so on. So it's sort of, yes, yeah, trying to really explore all of that and, and to, to, to bring that kind of awareness and understanding, I guess, to the, to the informational flow and what, what that, kind of tells us about the wisdom exactly and then skill four <laughs> is the se separating fact from feeling you know that that's that comes right in next and, and uh, what you said so, so yeah tell us about that a little bit well i want to acknowledge yvonne agazarian who years ago did system-centered therapy she's passed now but it was such a powerful training for me that I did for years. And she uses it differently, but it got me thinking about it. How do you separate the facts from the feelings that are going on? And realizing that we interweave our facts mm. so much. And if we think about it in Buddhism, in meditation practice, this is what we do. Bear noticing. I'm talking. That's all that's happening. But for many of the people I work with, including my own mind and body and heart, is when I'm activated, I'm activated because all these things happened and I'm spinning out around it and I'm rattled by it. But what's happening is maybe I'm talking or I'm sitting or I'm walking. And when the person can actually go from blah, 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 blah to this simple thing, I'm here their body will calm and give them access to more information. I had this experience once uh, somebody was in my Becoming Safely Embodied Skills course and wrote me some emails and I was in a training, so I wasn't able to watch them, but there were like 10 emails of multiple pages without any punctuation, without any paragraph. I was like, when you try to read it, it's, it's like nothing. And so, I remember just like, ah, what am I going to do? And then I went back into the course. And when I came out, so this would have been a couple hours later, this person was saying, 
oh, now I get what happened, period. I was angry at my blah, because blah, and there was a coherence to it. And basically she said, all she did was look at what the facts were. The facts were, she was having a reaction to whatever had happened and she broke it down for herself. And I have to say, I was stunned, like, like that level of internal organization that could happen so easily once somebody disentangled themselves from the storyline. Mm -hmm. So it's a powerful, powerful practice and skill mm -hmm. um, that we can gamify and say, well, I know how to do it. But when we can really do it and practice, like um, what I have people do is circle the facts and underline the feelings. It's like, and just repeat just that, the body will calm. Or if somebody is disconnected from their feelings, it'll actually start, it begins to have some safety to have the feelings. Mm. And then you can work with it. That's interesting. Some people are sort of experiencing a lot of feelings and have to kind of explore for the facts. Other people, because of their own shaped by experience journey, I guess, in their life might be just very focused on facts and actually have to, um, you know, sort of explore it for the feelings. Right. It's the attachment pattern there is I'm, you know, distancing from it. Okay. So if I'm distancing, what is it I'm not wanting to feel? So if I actually say, okay, so the facts are, I can actually, oh, I can have a feeling because the feelings aren't threatening anymore. They become a little bit safer. And I can see too, it, but by the time where it's at sort of skill for and separating facts from feeling, we're, we're bringing along, you know, all the the previous skills too, you know, the mindfulness yes. is in there and, and the concentration, but also the that sense of belonging and cultivating safeness. And, you know, that, that all sort of um, comes into the this process of separating fact from feeling. And then there's parallel lives. Now, you mentioned that a little bit earlier, that this is that this skill five. It, it's really starting to sort of become aware of the the life in the here and now but then these other elements from the past and so on that, that might actually be kind of present in the now too right well and that's mary main's famous phrase the past is always intruding in the present mm -hmm. and for people who have a lot of trauma history it you know they're the that past present boundary is very diffuse mm -hmm. so how do you separate that out how do you be in this moment, in this experience, without being always activated or flooded or even pinged by the past? Uh, and when people, you know, it's, it's so amazing. I'm thinking of one person in particular who I was working with her and I literally in a session will draw that. I'll draw a line on the paper and I'll say, so you're here. This is whatever year it is. And this is the past. And you can see their eye, like trying to try, because they're time traveling inside, really. They're caught in the emotional response. They have to bring themselves into this moment, like where it's safe. Right now in this moment, the fact is you and I are here in the office. In this moment, is anything bad happening? No. So it's a felt experience. Oh, it's a time cap. Naming it that way helps them to see Oh, that's what it is. It's an emotional experience. It's a time capsule of experience. It's not this moment. Helps people just begin mm -hmm. to soften a little bit. To go a little off tangent, that's 
where I think shame is an attachment wound. Somehow I needed something, didn't get that need met. And in fact, somebody rolled their eyes or said something to me or something. And I thought there's something wrong with me. So there's the shame. But the shame is because I didn't have those normal, natural needs met. Like your client, the normal need of any one of us is to be told as a child, but also as an adult, that we're beautiful, wonder, special, cherished, um, best, the, the most unique and wonderful person in the world. If we didn't get that, oh, you know, or if somehow it was so imprinted in us, there's something wrong with us. It's brutal, brutal. But that can be repaired in these simple ways of owning, like, of course, I need to feel special. Mm. Of course, I need that. We're normal. We all need that. Or I need to be beautiful. Of course, mm. everybody needs to know that. Everybody needs to know they're special, they're wanted, they're guided, they're mentored, they're reassured. How do you get soothed? How do you know you belong, even if you're ugly? You know, mm. like ugly is beautiful. If you think about it, that's what um, some of the fringe groups are, you know, they're about owning, this is my uniqueness, and I can be belong to a unique group. And how beautiful that, how necessary. Such an important part of, yes, to um, really honoring and valuing diversity and, and so on is, is part of that. But, but yes, yeah, certainly, um, the, the, the relational trauma or the shame or, or, or other other trauma it just kind of gets re-experienced in that moment as a as a as a parallel kind of kind of life and then of course um, yes skill six sort of dear to my heart in a way working with parts I mean I could certainly see some of the parallels there with with CFT and so on but yeah that, that's when we start to get into the conversation almost, I suppose, or work with these different different parts or selves. Or, hmm. Yes, exactly. And there's so many great, CFT is a great method of working with parts, internal family systems is a great, you know, way of working with parts. It's really about how do I take this internal experience, externalize it in some way so that I can engage and help rework it. So that I realize I'm living in this present moment and I'm affected by the imprinting of my past and how do I integrate it so that I can choose who I want to be in this lifetime. Mm. I think Paul sometimes says, doesn't he, differentiation, integration and transformation, something along those lines is the sort of what we're working towards there. Right. In fact, sometimes with trauma, we talk about the same thing is, you need to be able the differentiation. I need to say, I'm, it's not just me having this, whatever It's differentiated, take it outside so that I can integrate it. There's creative dissociation, mm. you know, like I'm overwhelmed by experience. I need to be able to say, okay, creatively right now, I'm going to dissociate. I'm going to actively consciously dissociate yep. so that I can then integrate it back in when I want to, or how I want to. And, and the, the transformation piece, comes also into the the sort of skill seven you know carving out a new path I guess that's where we start to really yeah sort of move in a direction carve out a new path sort of have a fresh start you know maybe those yes. sorts of things yes yes how can I choose who I want to be mm. 
you said something mean to me. Am I going to explode at you or am I going to pause and say, who do I want to be? I, I want to have a different experience. And I, that's when life starts getting better, right? It's because I am not being at the whim of what happens internally or externally. I then can say, this is where I want to go. This is the life I want to have for myself. And you said sort of early on that the, the sort of the, 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 our natural spirit flows us towards growth and flourishing and, and, and that sometimes... If, well, if we can work through those earlier stages of becoming safely embodied, then in some ways that just frees almost a natural inclination to, to go in that way and to, yes. to find a positive path. Right. And then, yeah, telling and retelling and, and finding guidance from your older, wiser self. Those are the, the last two of the skills. Any, any thoughts or comments there with those last couple? Well, I think I want to pay tribute to Michael White of uh, narrative therapy for that. You know, I, I remember sitting in workshops with him and I could still cry about them. And he would tell these moving stories of working with schizophrenics as they told and retold a story in there. Mm. It's so, it was so profound for me mm. that I thought that's what's, if somebody with that much internal disorganization can change their story and have a different life, we can all do that, you know? Mm. And so how, you know, if this lousy thing has happened to me, how do I take that lousy story and say like, this is the growth foundation for me, or how do I change it so that I actually have a better life for myself? And um, so that, that was just because I was so affected and moved by his work and the work that uh, they were doing. And and because it can make it more fun, you know, like if I am like, if I'm saying, oh, I'm a victim and this bad thing happened. So what if I take a different perspective? Like sometimes I would think like, what if your fairy godmother says it? Or what if a fly on the wall is saying, watching this and, or, you know, or the future self is the same thing. Who are you going to be? You know, and that all goes to the peak performance work, which is so profound as well, is that we can literally train ourselves to have a different experience. You know, if, uh, all the great tennis pros certainly talk about it, is how much they train their body in their mind to do it. Tom Brady, the great football player, talks so much about, you know, the mental training that goes on. And so that was just a fun way to to bring in some of these other research-based things and for people in groups or in therapy to to have fun to lighten the load rather than um and to have deep connections with themselves yes and and and, and very you know sort of powerful stuff because it is kind of re-scripting a narrative in a way it, it, it's really working with the, the the story the narrative that's that's in our minds and and not necessarily feeling like it has to always be that way but it, but that we can we can create and recreate and and in fact we might even recreate again you know down the track mm -hmm. and i love that idea of the older wiser self i'm starting to feel like i'm arriving there <laughs> you are you are an incredible you, oh, I, meant the, I, I mainly meant the older bit. <laughs> ah, well, I can totally a thousand percent relate to that. But you're, 
like, I think I'm going to have people watch you just to take in the experience of a good person who's attentive and care. Look at this. Don't blush now, Stan. <laughs> and just to like to receive in this, mm. this icon <laughs> of, who, of what's possible. Yeah. It's okay. I love you to pieces. Yes, the feeling is mutual. <laughs> but um, so, so I, I will let you go in a moment, but I suppose one of the things that I've kind of had fun just asking people along the way uh, is kind of like for their three tips um, to, to sort of see, you know, kind of, I mean, there's so many tips there, I, I realise, but, um, you know, like what, what, what might you say are kind of like three tips that you might offer someone who was sort of on their way, you know, in, on, on their compassionate journey? Um, well, there's a practice that I came up with for myself years ago when I was trying to reorganize myself and which people have used. And it really comes from attachment theory as well. So if you think about kids, what a kid is doing is that they, their being is moving out towards something. But so many of us get stuck around reaching towards something. And I certainly was too. So when I want something different, when I want to change a pattern in me, am I able to reach for what I want, then open to it, and then practice receiving the goodness of it? So the practice is this, being inside my body and like, what's it like to reach for it and see where I'm inhibited in reaching? Can I reach for it? Like, and if I put my mind toward, okay, I want more goodness, I want more compassion. Can I reach for compassion? And, and I'll watch where my mind says no, but how can I just pause and open to it, keep reaching for it? Then what's it like to live in a world where I can open to it freely, where it's safe to open to, you know, and especially for women with our breasts exposed, this is often where we contract. How can I open myself? And then more than that, am I willing to, gather it up like a full harvest and just <sighs> and it just it, it's straight to the kind of the embodiment bringing it back to the body you know sort of incorporating that it's all very well to sort of ponder these things but actually yes. to bring the body in you know and, and to have that um sort of you know as part of the whole thing Wonderful, Deidre. Thank you very much. If people were wanting to sort of engage with you or, or be in touch or, or you know, with, with you or your, your work, what, what, what could they, they do to get involved? Well, probably a simple way is we have a safe guide. It's like a 40-page PDF. That's, um, it's beautiful, if I do say so myself. And they could just go to dfay.com forward slash safe guide. Okay. And, download it and that gets them on their our email list and be part of i try to do a lot of facebook lives i try to do a lot of free stuff um, as well as the books and other things but um, you know whatever i can to help people i'm glad to do and thank oh, you so much for your service mr stan oh doing this i i remember being with you at the cft retreat and uh -huh. saying, you've got to start doing some podcasts and videos. You're amazing. <laughs> uh, that's very kind of you. Thank you very much. Well, actually, to be to be honest, I, I 
deeply appreciate you and your work as well. I, I, I'm sure people will, um, you know, kind of connect with you in, in that way. I'll include the the the, uh, the website in the description um, below this video, and and also perhaps a couple of other ways to, to find your your books and, and other resources. But thank you, Deidre Pay, very much for this wonderful conversation on compassion in a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs>